Welcome to AdultBibleStories.com, a vicarious God and his vicarious people. My name is Jeff, and we're doing a hop, skip, and a jump to the Bible. Today we're going to start in 1 Corinthians. So we're doing a hop, skip, and a jump. We're not going for every word or every uh, verse. We're just kind of hopping through it so you can get a general idea of what this book's about. So you'll be encouraged to get into it, and with the Holy Spirit you can understand it. So let's do a hop, skip, and jump. So we're going to start out in verse 2. It says, To the Church of God in Corinth. To those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy. You know, we're sanctified. We're set apart to be holy. We should be different from the people in this world. When we become saved, people should see a difference in who we are and how we behave, how we talk, how we deal with things. Let's hop, skip, and jump down to verse 8. He will keep you strong to the end. You know, God is able to keep us strong to the end. We're living in a culture now that... People don't want to know if, even know if you can overcome sin. It just pretty much, you know, you get God's forgiveness and make it to heaven. That somehow the blood of Jesus, or Jesus didn't take away our sins, and the blood of Jesus is not able to keep us away from sin. He can't deliver us. But he said he will keep us strong to the end. We can be strong until the end. We can overcome those things. If Jesus took away our sin, we just can let it go and let the sin go and, and, and let God have his way. And we can be strong to the end. We can be better at the end than when we are in the beginning. Said he will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God has called you into fellowship of his son Jesus Christ. Our Lord is faithful. So God has called us into fellowship of, with his son Jesus Christ. Maybe you've heard the saying people say, it's not, it's not religion, it's relationship. Or it's not rules, it's relationship. Well, that's true, but you know, what kind of relationship doesn't have rules? You know, if, you're, if you got married, you have a set of rules that the other mate breaks. You know, there's not going to be a marriage here. But we know you can't start out with rules. You can't base any relationship off, off rules. There's got to be a give and take. There's got to be a, a fellowship there. And so God has called us into a fellowship with his son, Jesus, not just a relationship, not some rule-based relationship where if we're doing good, we're in good fellowship with him. If we're doing bad, then we're out of fellowship with him. No, a fellowship with him that, he, that when we're doing good, we're with him. And when we're not doing so bad, we're still with him as he corrects us and helps us and delivers us blameless to the day he comes so we want to be in fellowship with him uh, let's go into verse 10 hop skip and jump i appeal to you brothers in the name of our lord jesus christ that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought my brothers some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Paulus. Another says, I follow Cephas. Another says, I follow Christ. You know, we have the same problem today. When I ask you, you know, where do you go to, you know, are you saved? And, and people usually answer, yeah, I go to church. Or they usually, you know, going to say, well, yeah, I'm a Methodist. I'm a Baptist. I'm a Pentecostal. I'm a charismatic. I'm a, you know, all these different titles. And this is back very same thing that uh, uh, Paul was saying. Well, I follow the Baptist. Well, I follow the Southern Baptist. Well, I follow the Independent Baptist. Well, I follow, you know, Pentecostal holiness. Well, I follow Methodist. And, and it's saying, no, we need to all, we need to all follow Christ because if Christ is not in that denomination, not in that name, then, then there's nothing. But he says, one, one man, see, one man sows and other man waters, but God gives the increase. So we can't say, because we would like to say, well, I got a better religion. I got a better philosophy. I got a better, you know, doctrine than, than you do. When, when we're all trying to learn, we're all coming to the, to the cross. We're all learning and growing. So we need to come to one together. You know, if we can't agree, we're never going to agree 
on every single doctrinal issue. But at least we can agree on, on this. We, at least we can agree that uh, we're all sinners in need of a Savior, and that, and that Savior's name is Jesus. We can all agree that we've experienced the forgiveness of sins through Christ Jesus, right? We can at least agree that the whole world needs to have Jesus. We can at least agree that the whole church you know, gets, needs to get out there and evangelize and tell people what, what God has done um, for everyone, that Jesus has taken away their sin. We can agree on that basics. We can agree on the foundation, who Jesus is, and we can go from there. So let's do a hop and skip and jump down to, we're staying in chapter 1, let's see, 17. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Now this is going to be good for you, especially if you're not a preacher, especially if you're not good with words or know how to communicate. Because we're always saying, how, how am I going to tell people about Jesus? Well, Paul said, I don't come with words of human wisdom, lest the cross be emptied of its power. You know, it doesn't matter if you're elegant in how you're saying things. You just go tell people about Jesus. Go tell people what you have experienced, what Jesus has done for you. Be a witness. You know, to be a witness means to give a testimony in front of a court. You know, and, and so we're witnesses in the court. You know, Jesus is still in court. You know, Peter denied Jesus three times in court. John stayed silent in court. They had several fault witnesses in court to speak against Jesus. Well, Jesus is still in court as far as the world is concerned. And so we can be as witnesses. We can stand up and, and say, I know this man. I know this Jesus. I know he, he's taken away my sin. He's helped me. We don't have to be eloquent. We don't have to base it on some kind of um, wisdom or in some kind of intellect. We can just tell them the story, what we have experienced, so that it can be based on the power of God and not, you know, and not on the wisdom of a man. Eight, verse 18, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Now you gotta understand there's some people when you talk about Jesus and what he did on the cross, it just it's just foolishness. You know, it's just crazy talk, thinking why why God would send somebody and and you know to die for us. That just doesn't make sense. Um, but to those to those who are being saved, to those who believed, we're being saved and we, and we like it. There's the power of God for us. Hop, skip, and jump down to guess the end part of twenty one, verse twenty one, chapter one. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached. To save, so God is, is was pleased with what the world calls foolishness. God is pleased with us believing in faith. It says Jesus says, unless you come as a child, you should no way enter into the kingdom of God. And some of our church services may may seem like that. We're children believing in what the world considers some mythology or fantasy, but we we believe it because we have experienced we experience it. You know, people say, well, you, you know. God loves you because the Bible tells you so. What? Yeah, I know God loves me because the Bible tells me so, but I also know that God loves me because he himself tells me so through the Holy Spirit. Hop, skip, and jump to verse 22. Jews demand a miraculous, miraculous, miraculous signs, and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. You know, Paul is talking about to the Jews and Gentiles here, but this same thing can even be representative of our different denominations nowadays. The Jews are, are long-term Christians. You know, long-term Christians or, or Pentecostal Christians or Charismatic Christians or those who believe in the gifts, which I am one of those who believes in the gifts. We can demand a miraculous sign. God, what have you done for me lately? God, I'm looking for a miracle. You know, we're always looking for miracles while other people are, you know, are always looking for uh, wisdom. God, show us the wisdom. What can I do in this situation? And all that's good. We need miracles. We need wisdom. But Paul saying, preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. How is a stumbling block, 
you know, to us who are looking for miracles. Well, if we get so caught up in looking for miracles, we're going to miss the greatest miracle of all of a man being raised from the dead. I mean, is there any harder thing to do, you know, for God? No, uh, but, for, but for us, us to think the hardest thing, uh, you know, that can be done is raising somebody from the dead. But it's foolishness to the Gentiles. It's foolishness when somebody wants wisdom, how to get down this thing. And we say, well, you just need to trust God. Trust God what he did. When Jesus says it is finished at the cross. No, I want wisdom. I don't. I want wisdom. That's just foolishness to me. How, how's that going to get me out of the situation? Well, you've, you've got to look at Jesus first. In fact, when this world began, it was all dark and void and foul form. And, and God said, let there be light and there is light. And when Jesus started his ministry, he came into a world, a spiritual world that was dark without form and void. And he said, I am the light of this world. No matter what situation you're in, no matter what predicament you're in, the first thing you need to say is let there be light. In other words, let there be Jesus. You got to put your mind back on what Jesus did on that cross that they said it was finished. That's where you start. You got to start with him in sight and not just the wisdom, not just looking for the answer, but Jesus in sight. And once you have that peace beyond understanding, it says those who keep their peace on the Lord shall have, you know, or keep their eyes on the Lord, have peace, will have perfect peace. And you have that peace be understanding. Once you have that peace be understanding that, that God is in control of our life because we submitted to him, that Jesus died on that cross and all things were finished, then, then when we have peace be understanding, then we can get that understanding or that wisdom and how to deal with situation. But we need peace far more than, than, than understanding because there's too many times we're asking for wisdom and understanding of things that are just not going to matter. But if we get that peace, we'd understand, hey, that doesn't matter. So let's hop, skip, and jump. Saying in 1 Corinthians, and we're up, skip, and jump down to verse 28. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. I like that scripture because that's, that's kind of where I'm found in scripture. I, you know, I'm the despised thing. I'm the things that are not to nullify the things that are. You know, Jesus said that, that the kingdom of God cannot be seen here or there, but the kingdom of God is within. And he says, you must be born again to even see the kingdom of God. You know, the kingdom of God is a political system. The kingdom of God is a government. Upon his shoulders, the government shall rest. And the kingdom of God is not, cannot be seen by the natural eye. The kingdom of God cannot be seen by somebody who's not born again. You know, Jesus said when, when somebody's healed, when somebody's delivered, when somebody's touched by God, you see the finger of God or, the, or the, you'll see, tell them that the kingdom of God came nearby. But one day the kingdom of God is going to is going to be seen by the natural eye. It's going to be seen in this world. When all the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of God, then you're going to see the kingdom of God. But right now, the things that are not to nullify the things are. So we, as we begin preaching on Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God, we're we're calling those things that are not seen as that they are seen, so they may nullify the things that are seen, so they will not no longer be seen. Because when Jesus comes with the full kingdom of God, so that everybody can see see with their natural eyes, all the kingdoms of Satan, all the kingdoms of darkness, all the kingdoms of man that are here are going to be obliterated. They're going to be gone. Out of, out of the words of his mouth, with the sword comes out of the words of mouth, Jesus is going to destroy those things. Those things are going to be gone. The only thing that we're going to see is the kingdom of God. So the things that are not, to nullify the things that are. So, you know, when, you, so when we speak the word of God, when we speak biblical passages, when we speak for the Holy Spirit, when we speak these things, we are not only declaring the kingdom of come, kingdom of God, but we're declaring the nullifying, nullifying the things that are already here. Some of you need to nullify the sickness and disease in your body. Some of you need to nullify the darkness in your family members. Some of you need to nullify the, you know, the 
the, the debt and the, and the loss of jobs by declaring and decreeing what God has told you, what Jesus did at the cross, that he will provide. All our need is met in Christ Jesus. You need, you need healing. You need to call those things out to nullify that sickness. If you, if you need prosperity, you need a new job, then you need to call that thing out to nullify that debt, to nullify that poverty. So whatever we have, you know, the kingdom of God is not seen, but we call it out so then it becomes seen and nullifies the things that are seen, which just those things that are seen disappear. <laughs> so let's move on here. <laughs> so this is one of the foolish things, you know. God loves this kind of preaching, the foolish things, and I do too. First, <laughs> for First Corinthians chapter two, hop, skip, and jump to verse four. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith may not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. So once again, you don't have to be an intellect. You don't have to be. I know, great with words and writing or speaking. All you have to do is trust God. And many times our actions are as loud as our words. What a picture's worth a thousand words. Well, how much, how much louder, how much more do we communicate with our actions, with our body language, with our walking than we do even with our talking? And so he says, my message of preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with demonstration of spirit's power. You know, there's a lot of people that, spot, that talk with us a certain boldness, but you're wondering if, you know, if any of it's true because their, their, their walk is not matching their talk. So we don't want, so we want to make sure that, that our life is influencing people more by the light that we, that we radiate, the light of Jesus that we radiate than just our words. We do need to speak words. Without words, people you know, are not going to know the gospel. But our light needs to come forth. You know, a day dawns before we get up. Or some people may get up before dawn. But anyway, so, so our light needs to go before us. You know, if, you're, if you're in a dark situation, you have a light, a light and that light is off. You start talking. People are going to know, want to know where you are. But you turn on that light, people are going to be able to find you. And so you need to, we need to have that light before we begin talking. And then when we do talk, and we don't need to use persuasive words, our, our body language, I mean, our way of life, the way we handle ourselves, that alone is going to be persuasive because that's the power of God. I mean, when I got saved, I mean, I had one person that we were roommates for three years, and uh, I had moved out a, a year previously. And we hadn't seen each other in, you know, for maybe a year and a half. And we went out to play pool. And, and I didn't say anything about my, uh, my meeting Jesus. We started playing pool. I was real quiet. And all of a sudden, he threw down his pool stick and says, Jeff, who are you? You're not the person I know. It's because I was a new creation in Christ Jesus. So much of me had changed. So much of darkness darkness had been kicked out of me and light was in me. He saw the light and the darkness had disappeared. I was then able to sit down with him and his girlfriend for a couple of hours and tell him what, you know, what Jesus had done for me. But that light went out, so I didn't need to use persuasive words. I, he saw that light. He saw how different I was, how much I was carrying myself differently, and he, and he didn't know who I was because I wasn't that old, that old person that he knew passed away. I'm not that person anymore. So he didn't know that person. <laughs> But I, you know, showed him what Jesus was and began to show him who the new person I am now, the new creation, Christ Jesus. So let's hop, skip, and jump down to, uh, we're staying in chapter 2 to verse 6. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the, among the mature. So there is a, uh, an intellectual message. There is a, um, a message for, for the mature and a, a greater understanding. And even Peter says, man, Paul's, what Paul preaches sometimes is kind of hard to understand. So there is an intellect, um, there is apologist, I guess, or, or apologetics, you know, for, uh, um, for the mature to understand. Let's hop, skip, and jump down to verse 8. It says, None of the rulers of this age understood it, for they 
it would, uh, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So if you ever wondered where that was in the Bible, where uh, Satan, if Satan would have knew what he was doing by crucifying Jesus on the cross, then he would have never done that. He would have, he would have made sure Jesus stayed alive, you know, forever, or at least not would have died, you know, sinless. Um, so that's where that's found. And it goes on, goes on in verse 9, However, it is written, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. So if you wonder where that is, that's just, actually, that's quoting the scripture out of one of the prophets in the Old Testament, which we'll get to sometime this year. You know, right now we're doing a hop, skip, and jump through the New Testament, and I'm using the NIV because it's what I read last year. I read a lot of different translations. This year, 2019, I'm reading NSAU. I've read that before, too. Uh, so maybe next year I'll do, once again, walk through the Bible, hop, skip, and jump through the Bible and uh, go through the NSU, which is kind of my favorite translation. But... Uh, no eye is seen, no ear is heard, no mind is conceived. What God has prepared for those who love him, who love him. So that's, you know, it doesn't say those who believe in him, but those who love him. Can you believe in God and not love him? I don't know if that's possible, but sometimes I see people that say they believe in him, but there's no evidence that they love God. You know, Jesus says, if you love me, you're going to obey my commandments. And that's not some religious, realistic type of thing. Ah! God, I'm, I'm loving you, but it, it's what mean it means is you're gonna you're gonna obey the commandments because they're easy because you love him so much. If you love your wife, if you love your husband, it shouldn't be that difficult to keep away from infidelity because you love them. The, the idea of infidelity shouldn't even be there, you know, <laughs> because you love him. And even when times when you mature, and times when that love doesn't feel there, and even times maybe even being tempted by somebody else, because you love your wife so much, because you love your husband so much. You cast those thoughts down. You run from that woman. You run from that man. You run from that temptation because you love your, your, your spouse. So God is prepared for those who love him. Do you love him? 1 Corinthians, we're still in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Hop, skip, and jump to last part of verse 12. And it says that we may understand what God has freely given us. So we have not, verse 12, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. So we can understand what God has freely given us. What Jesus died on the cross, it is finished. <laughs> and I have JesusJournal.tv, which I'm going to release a whole lot of stuff on there. And that thing is all about Jesus, everything about Jesus, because we really don't understand this. We really don't understand what God has freely given us. I don't know why. Maybe we haven't spent enough time to meditate on, to think about it, to spend time with Jesus, to let him tell us exactly all that he did for us. That, but, but it says that we may understand what he has freely given to us. Because too many times we're trying to work for something. We're trying to get something that Jesus already finished that we all have to just claim. We just have to hold our hands and, and take it and, and get it and receive it. And let's go on, verse 13. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths and spiritual words. So there's a lot of things that we're just simply not going to understand unless you get in the Spirit. You know, we walk, we walk in the Spirit so we don't fulfill the lust of flesh. You know, we have the flesh. We have our, our soul and our body. Our soul meaning our mind, our will, and emotions. And if we stay there, we're going to walk in the flesh. But we have the mind of Christ, which we're going to get into. In fact, there's another, a couple more scriptures from here. But when we become a born again, we have we get a, a new spirit, which is a new mind. But also Jesus is is his mind is in there, so we can so we can understand. When we walk in the spirit, we can understand spiritual truths or spiritual words. In fact, let's hop, skip, and jump down to, to verse sixteen. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? 
but we have the mind of Christ. So how can we freely understand, or how can we understand what God has freely given us? Because we have the mind of Christ, if we put on the mind of Christ. We can either walk in our own understanding, lean to our own understanding, as says in Proverbs, not to do. You know, we can go by our own feelings, which we shouldn't do. We can go by our own will, you know, which we shouldn't do. But we, if we have the mind of Christ, we can understand spiritual truths. We can understand what Jesus did for us and receive the free gift he did for us. So let's hop, skip, and jump to chapter 3. It says, Brothers, I cannot address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you were still not ready. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, you are not are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? For when one says I follow Paul, and another says I follow Paulus, are you not uh, mere men? And once again, we know we talked about this, and Paul talked about this just a, a you know a chapter before that. We seem we need to embrace one another. You know, if 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 you're one denomination and another denomination doesn't have doesn't have your doctrine, doesn't understand your truth, you know, then don't go cause a conflict. Don't go, you know, thinking you're all that and a bag of chips and all that. I know I used to get upset uh, with a lot of Pentecostals because you know we speak in tongues. I believe in tongues. I believe tongues is for the day. You know, it was something that that I received and didn't even ask for, um, but God, you know, gave it to me. But I saw a lot of Pentecostals and stuff kind of making fun of Baptists. Well, they don't believe in tongues, and we got the tongue. Well, it's a free gift. So why, why, if we got something freely from the Lord, why are we thinking that we had it all from you know in the beginning? No, we're, and we're going to get to about love, you know, knowledge puffed up, but love edifies. So let's not make a big deal about you know our difference of doctrine or or our difference of denomination of what we know but rather we need to love one another we need to know that jesus is the savior of us jesus is the savior of the baptist the Methodists, the pentecostals you know and and and, and on and on so let's hop skip and jump down to uh let's see verse 12 of chapter 3 if any man builds on this foundation uh verse 11 for no one can lay any foundation other than the one uh, rate laid, which is Christ Jesus. If any man builds on his foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because because the day will bring it to the light. It will be revealed with fire, and fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. It will be burned up. Uh, if it if it is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. So if you wonder where that was, we're going to be judged by Jesus. Not a judgment of sins, but a judgment of what we did after we got saved, as far as the good we did or the evil we did, you know, we did. That's where it is. But it says that the good we do, if it if it survives the fire, then we're going to be reward, rewarded for it, for it. But if it doesn't survive the fire, it gets burned up to ashes, we'll make it because we're not saved by works. We're saved for works. We're saved to do something for God. We're saved to do something for the kingdom of God. We're, we're saved to be a servant to one another and help our brothers and sisters in Christ. But we're not saved by what we do. And so what we do after we get saved, you know, the good that we do is going to be put to the test of, 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 of fire. And, the, and we got to make sure that our... Um, that we do it for the right reasons, the right purpose. We can have, you know, wrong motives. We can do the right thing for wrong motives. So we need to make sure our motive is correct so that it withstands the fire so that we can be rewarded. I know a lot of people, you know, they say, well, I just want to make it. 
man, don't don't go for the least because if you go for the least, you might not, you know, make it. And if you shoot for the sky, aim for the stars, as, as one somebody says, at least you'll make it off the ground. And so we want to go for it all. We you don't want to enter an eternity, you know, just with your life. You want to enter eternity with a with a bunch of uh, you know rewards and gifts. And, and I can, I'm not going to really go in and teach on that what all that is, but man, you, we don't know how much we're missing by not doing God's will and purpose and not fully focusing on what He wants to do us now. Because I'm going to tell you, eternity is a long time; it never ends. And there's some and there's some judgments coming on this day that cannot be overturned. And so there's some things that we cannot be rewarded for unless we do them now with with the right motive. So we want we want to get down to kingdom business. We want to be at the you know do the will of the Father. We want to get away from milk and do a meat. Jesus said you know um, he was talking to the woman at the well, and the disciples came after you know bringing some lunch, maybe some Subway or something, and and Jesus says no thanks, I've already eaten. And they go well, who brought you lunch? He says my my meat is to do the will of the Father. And so we want our meat to do the will of the Father. In fact, a lot of times we're often hungry in the natural because we're not doing the spiritual thing. You know, but many times when you're doing the spiritual thing, you're not, you, you know, your appetite, you know, for the natural goes down. Keep your eyes on the, on the heavenly things and not so much on the earthly things. So let's hop, skip, and jump. Actually, we're going to the next verse, uh, chapter 3, uh, verse 16. Don't ye know that, you're, that yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? In the, Old, in the Old Testament, God lived in a temple. And then temple was, you had the holies of holies, and you had the holy place, which is also called the inner court, and then you had the outer court. So, the, so a temple had three places. You had the outer court, the inner court, then the holies of holies. The holies of holies is where the Ark of the Covenant was. It's where uh, God's mercy was, the seat of mercy. It's where God's presence was, where his spirit was. Well, all that got torn down. All that ended when Jesus died on that cross, and then finally... Um, the mechanics of it, you know, 70 AD was torn down and God says, no, you know, that, that's enough. I'm tearing this thing all the way down. You guys had enough time. And now we, when we become born again, we are the temple of God and we are a three-part being. We are spirit, soul, and body. Our spirit, a brand new spirit is where God resides. And it's also our new spirit. It's the holiest of holies. Our spirit is the holiest of holies. You know, and then, then we have our soul. Our soul, you know, is, is the inner court. Or, you know, the holy place. It's where, you know, it's where we share our thoughts, where we share ideas, where we break bread, where we share our light and stuff. And then we have the outer court, which is this body, which is everybody can see. And so we have the, outer, we have the holies of holies. We have the inner court and we have the, the outer court. We are God's temple. And so whatever we do, you know, we are doing in God's temple. So, so we want to, we don't want to do those these things that we continue to did as a sinner before we were saved because that defiles the temple. And God's saying right here that he that anyone who destroys the temple, God will destroy. You know, some people say that you know that's talking about suicide. You know, I I don't know, I don't think so. I I think it's 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 just warning us that whatever we do, we're doing in the God's temple. You know, when God resides us, because God. Jesus comes to live. I know the Spirit of Jesus comes to live inside us. The Holy Spirit in our holies of holies in our heart. Our heart has, you know, four chambers, you know, two ins and two outs. So there's two chambers. And our heart is, is our, one side of the heart has a new spirit. And we're a new creation in Christ Jesus. The other part of the heart has our soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions. And between there, there's a, there's a thick wall. Just like in the old, old, old covenant, the old, te- the old temple. The old temple, you had the holies of holies. And there was this, this you know, this curtain that's hung down that separated the holies of holies from, 
um, the, the, the inner court or the holy place. But when Jesus died on that cross, it says he took, a, he took that and it ripped it from top to bottom, ripping that curtain. So the holies of holies and the holy place or the inner court was all one room. So the only thing that was left was the holy place and the outer court. And you even go to Revelation where John is told to measure it and the outer court is cut off. So the only place left is the holy place, which is one day we will be. But we're spirit, soul, and body. And so our heart, we have that new spirit. And we, have, we still have this, this curtain because if the holies of holy, if God in all his glory and all his holy was to be released in, these, in our soul, which is not fully renewed or in this body that's, you know, it's that decaying, we'd be destroyed immediately. So, so in this temple, just like the old temple, it has to have that curtain. But when we, when, you know, the last trumpet and we go to meet the Lord in the sky and we get, you know, brand new bodies, glorified bodies, once again, that, that, that curtain between our, in our heart that separates the spirit from the soul is going to be torn. And, oh, and our outer court is going to be torn away and it's going to be made glorified. We're going to have glorified bodies. So that's going to be really good. I'm going to have to have a whole teaching on this. Uh, let's go hop, skip, and jump to chapter 4 and the first one. So, uh, so then men ought to regard us as servants of Christ, as those entrusted with the secret things of God. So he's talking about apostles, but he's also talking about prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, all five gifts that Jesus gave to the church. It says the secret things of God. So there are secret things of God, and God does give secrets to those that calls to preach his word. This is something I had trouble with for the longest time because I've always been wanted haven't wanted people to find out for themselves to read the Bible for themselves and people need to read the Bible everybody needs to read the Bible but I just picked up the Bible and God just pours out revelation in me and I just thought that just happened to everybody so if I could just get everybody to read the Bible like I do then man they would be overjoyed but that's not always the case everybody's going to get something out of, the, out of scripture if you read it God's going to reveal something to you if you're believing in him he's going to reveal something to you but, but, but Jesus has given gifts to the church, which, which we're going to go into Ephesians probably, you know, a couple lessons from here. And, he's, and to the apostle, a prophet, a evangelist, pastor, and teacher, he's given secret things of God, which means we get deeper things. We get things that we can expound on that can help you because you're not able. I mean, if you're working 40, 50 hours a week, taking care of your family, doing all those things, you're not able to go into the depth and seek God. You know, in the book of Acts, they told the apostles, you know, this is not right for you guys to be, you know, waiting on tables and take care of all these other ministries. You guys need to be giving yourself to prayer, you know, and seeking God and reading, you know, reading scripture, you know, so you can get revelation to us. So those, so that's one thing. If you, you know, if your pastor is not, you know, a pastor full time, I greatly encourage you to help him, help him financially so he can be full time. Because if he's not full time, then he's not able to give you what what God really wants to give you because he's working a 40-hour job too and 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 has to after hours not only take care of his family and so forth but uh uh you know study so you so so the so the God gives the secret things of God and it continues now it is required that those who have been given a trust must also prove faithful so apostles apostles uh, prophets evangelists pastors and teachers also be found faithful i care very little if i am judged by you or by human the human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself, for my conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. So right here, I find my conscience is clear. You know, we used to hear, I think from the Disney stuff, you know, let your conscience be your guide. And that's a good and bad. I mean, it's, it's bad in the fact that uh, our conscience uh, is also part of the fallen man. Fallen man, when you know sin enters our conscience, but when we become born again, 
uh, we get a new conscience, but that conscience has got to be, it's got to be kept pure. I mean, when we sin, it says we can, you know, we sin against our conscience or we sin against our bodies or we, we cause uh, our conscience not to work as well. And, and we singe our conscience, as, as I think Peter talks about. But our conscience, when we're reading the Bible, when we're following God, when we're in fellowship with the Lord Jesus, when we're doing everything we know to do, our conscience can be clear. But that doesn't mean our conscience is our judge. Only God is our judge because our conscience can be wrong. In fact, many times you you know, you found out that, that your conscience said, you know, do something. You found out it was wrong. It wasn't a thing to do, especially as a sinner. There's a lot of times as a sinner before being born again that you just knew was the right thing. But after you got saved, oh, man, your conscience changed. <laughs> your conscience, you automatically knew that was not the right thing. But there's also some things that you thought were the right thing. I mean, were the wrong thing, but found out they were, you know, they were the right thing to do. When Jesus came to do things, there was a lot of people offended because oh, this is not the right thing to do. You're allowing this woman to pour out a year's worth of wages, I know, on you. Well, Jesus says she's doing a good thing, a right thing. Or when when Martha said, Jesus, you know, I'm I'm the only one working here. Tell Mary to get up and help me. And 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 uh, Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you know. You're worried about many things, but but what Mary is doing cannot be taken from her. She's doing the good thing. So our conscience, you know, is not necessarily our guide. We got to listen to our conscience. We should never go against our conscience. You know, we need to find out the truth so our conscience can be, you know, uh, in good standing, or our conscience is right. But he says, even my conscience is clear that that does not make my innocent. Because sometimes our conscience does not tell us when we're wrong. But he lets the Lord judge them. So therefore, we're and we're in hop, skip, and jump. We're still in chapter four. We're going on to verse five. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in the darkness and will expose the motives. Let's see here. The motives of men's hearts. At that time, each will receive the praise from God. So that's one thing we're not supposed to judge. Hearing people say we shouldn't judge one another. But over and over in Scripture, does tell about there is a certain judgment. Even Jesus says there's a right judgment. But right here it says we should never judge somebody's motives because we don't know what's going on in the heart. You know, in fact, there's some people that are going to stand before Jesus and they says, you know, let us in. And Jesus is going to say, I don't know you. But he said, but we preached, we teached, we taught, we cast out demons, we healed the sick. So, but they, but Jesus said, get away from me, you workers of iniquity. So on the outside, they look good, but their motives are wrong. Their motives weren't in glorifying Jesus. Their motives in, in, in their own works, you know, in their own abilities, coming unto the Lord of their own righteousness rather than the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So we shouldn't judge somebody's motives that quickly. You know, unless they speak about what they say to what, what they are. But Satan is accused of the brethren, so he's always going to accuse you and or get you to accuse other people and find out their motives. So it says, he will bring to light what is hidden in darkness. So so if you don't know what somebody's motive is, just ask God to bring it to light. You know, he exposed the motives of men's heart. And this time, receive praise from God. So there's a lot of motives we're not going to find out on this side of eternity. We're going to have to wait till you know, the kingdom of God and Jesus returns uh, for the earth. Let's hop, skip, and jump. We're staying in, in uh, chapter 4. We're hop, skip, and jump down to, uh, let's see, right before verse 7. It says, Do not go beyond what is written, then you will not take pride in one man over over against another. And once again, we, you know, we shouldn't be taking pride because we know something somebody else doesn't know. You know, we didn't receive it because we're all that. We did receive it from the Lord. It was given to us. So if it's given to us, Jesus says, as you freely receive, you need to freely give. 
So whatever doctrine or whatever um, revelation that God gives us, we shouldn't take pride in it. We should we should be able to be freely and give it to somebody. And don't go beyond what is what is written. Don't take out something that God hasn't said. That there's no scriptural basis to it. You know, uh, over it. But don't add philosophy. <laughs> First Corinthians, uh, we're still in chapter four. Hop, skip, and jump down to verse two, uh, verse twelve. We work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. That's one hard scripture to follow. When we are cursed, we bless. So if somebody calls you a blankety blank, <laughs> how are you going to respond? Are you going to bless them? Or if they curse, because the curse is not always always cuss words or curse words. Somebody says, you're, you know, you're just good for nothing. I don't like you. Well, are we blessed? Well, I think you're good for something. I, you know, I, and I bless you. I think you're great. That's how you, that's how you respond to somebody cursing you. Then when we are persecuted, we endure it. You know, when David was asking about what, what's this man going to get if he kills Goliath? You know, David's brother says, you know, kind of cursed David. And, but David didn't say anything. He just kind of turned to the other guy and asked him the same question. So we, when we are persecuted, we endure it. We don't say, you know, say to him, well, you're going to get it in the end. Well, God's going to get you. And even Paul did that one time. Even Paul lost it in the book of Acts. Is, well, God's going to get you. <laughs> but then Paul later says, yeah, it's, it's not right to speak against the rulers of, of our people. So it says, we are slandered, we answer kindly. Kindly, answer kindly. Somebody slanders my name and Paul is telling us to answer kindly. <laughs> I just remember when somebody slandered David, King David in the in Old Testament saying King David was a man of blood. And one of, the, uh, one of King David's soldiers, a captains wanted to say, should I go kill the man? And, and, and King David said, no, maybe he's correct. Who knows? <laughs> so he so he didn't he didn't die at the hands of of, of David's uh, words. So David was slandered, but he acted kindly. He didn't do it, and so we're slandered because sometimes, man, sometimes we don't see our stuff. We do have we do have uh, spots in our in our life, you know, like driving a car and you look in your rearview mirror because you have blind spots. We also have blind spots. So when somebody slanders us, we shouldn't be so quickly to throw it off because we need to take a moment and said, well, maybe <laughs> maybe it's there. But nevertheless, even answer kindly. If it's not there or if it's there, we need to answer kindly. We need to answer, well, say, well, I don't think that's there. I you know, maybe so, or oh, that's not what I meant. Uh, you know, let, let me, you know, redo this. Let me rethink this. Let me re-say this. You know, whatever I did to you, uh, you know, I, surely there's something I could have done better. But we need to answer kindly to slander rather than giving slander for slander. Hop, skip, and jump. Uh, let me say. To verse 20. We're still in chapter 4. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. The kingdom of God. Jesus says you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. The kingdom of God comes in, uh, comes, you know, not by mere matter of talk, but of power. There's a lot of people who talk the talk, but don't walk the walk. So if we're born again, the kingdom of God is not righteous, is not meat and drink, but righteous, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So if we're just talking the talk, but we're not walking in righteousness, right standing with God, we're not trying to be right with one another, trying to treat one another with kindness and love. You know, if, if, um, if we're not having that that joy of the Lord, you know, uh, the kingdom of God is, 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 you know, is is that righteousness. So just don't let it. You know, in fact, the Scripture says. 
some people just kind of blow they're you know they just kind of blow wind they're hot air they're a bunch of wind but there's no rain with it we as christians we need to back up our talk if we're born again we're saved we got a, a fish on our bumper you know we got a cross around our neck you know we got a jesus sticker you know we make sure everybody knows that we're going to church then we need to not only be a matter of talk but we need to be one of power our, our acts need to be one of power. Our life needs to be one of power. We need to show the power of the cross, the power of the blood, what, what that has done in our own life and not just be mere talk where somebody looks at us going, you know what, brother? I didn't know you were a Christian unless you would have told me. Well, if, if somebody tells you you're, that they're a Christian and you wouldn't have guessed it, that means they're talk and not of power. We need to be a people of power. We need to give ourselves to the power of, of God through Jesus Christ. It's the power of the cross. Hop, skip, and jump, and we're staying in chapter 5, down to verse 8. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with old yeast, but yeast of malice and wickedness, but with bread without yeast, the bread of sincerity and truth. There's a lot of people talking about the, you know, the, uh, the holy days, the seven, uh, the seven holidays that God told us to keep in Leviticus. Uh, I think 17 or 27, either one. But he's talking about the, uh, keeping the feast of uh, unleavened bread which is, means they had to take all the yeast out of their house, making sure there's no yeast in the house. So any bread they have would have to be crackers, no yeast. And some people say we should still keep in the feast, and I think we should observe them, know that they're there. But, but I don't think Paul is meaning we need to go keep the feast of, of 11 bread here. I don't think he was going and participating in that holiday necessarily, because he right here it says, let's keep the feast, but it says the feast by the bread of sincerity and truth. And so how do we keep the festival of unleavened bread? by by being sincere and make, making sure we're walking in truth not adding any lies to it not adding any black lies or white lies to it not add, and being sincere about it not jokingly not haphazardly giving a yes or a no to it but being sincere in our talk being sincere in our motives being sincere in our ways and and and, and being full of truth and not with you know half truths you know or or kind of hiding the truth or keeping our mouth quiet so they can come to their own conclusion because we know if we spoke, then then we know the truth. <laughs> so we want to practice the, the the you know the feast of unleavened bread by sincerity and having truth. Let's see. Let's hop, skip, and jump down to but now eleven chapter five. But now I am writing you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother, but is sexually immoral or greedy or an adulterer or slander or a drunkard or a slender. With such man, do not even eat. Now that's some tough scriptures, and I don't know too many people are actually associating with that. I know I grew up in a you know a church where you often put people outside the church. I mean, when somebody was sinning, I mean, a lot a lot of times it was kind of legalistic. If somebody was sinning, you just cast them out. There was no kind of re reconciliation, you know, and so forth. But that has all been thrown out now. Now we got churches that are actually practicing these things and promoting these things. <laughs> but he's saying even those says if you see a brother, and he's talking about a brother who. Who's taking pride? You know, it's one thing to, to be caught up in sin and not knowing to have the life skills to get out of it. It's one thing to asking God, forgive me, I've once again of sin. God help me. It's one thing to learn how why what is tripping you up? What is the what is the you know what is tripping you up? What is causing you to sin over and over and, and handle those things? What are those those thoughts that are leading that way? You know, that, that's one thing to deal with that and asking for prayer and asking for help. But he's talking about those people here that are doing these immoral things that don't care. They're, maybe they're saying, well, I'm saved. I'm born again. So, you know, all things are permissible for me. So, so it's okay. I know Jesus. 
you know, or, or God understands. He's talking about those people. Those people don't even, you know, don't, don't, don't even sit down and eat with. It says, but if a sexual immoral or greedy person, if anybody who, who's sexually immoral, they say, well, pornography is okay, or, or sleeping before getting married, I got to, you know, check out the goods, all that kind of stuff, you know, <laughs> don't sit down with them. Don't, they may, don't, don't. Don't even eat with them. A greedy person who's always looking for the, you know, for the next buck, an idolater, somebody is always placing, you know, something before God, a slanderer, somebody who's always talking about these ministers. You know, there's people in the body, in the body of Christ, that their whole job, their whole ministry, is judging another minister. Their whole podcast on YouTube, you know, or, or television, is completely what another minister is doing, and it has nothing to do with what they're doing. He says, don't even sit with them and a swindler or a drunkard. Don't even, you know, I'm talking about people who, who refuse and repent, people who will not repent, people who are, are, are pride or people say, well, God knows I'm this way. God understands. Those are the people. I'm not talking about the people who are, who are fallen, who are weak in faith that, that need to know who they are in Christ Jesus. Those people, we need to sit down and, and, and take them by the hand and lead them, you know, into righteousness. But it says, but it goes on. It says, expel those wicked men from among you. It means if somebody's taking pride in their sin, we don't need to be around them. Well, it looks like I'm going to stop here. We're going to have to go to another, I'm going to do 1 Corinthians part 2. So remember, that this, this is adultbibastories.com, our vicarious God and his vicarious people. My name is Jeff, and I'll see you later.